Hello, Catherine here. If you're listening to my podcast because you're a fan of wintering, the good news is that my new book, Enchantment, is available now. It's a book about how we can find a way to reconnect with a world that's sometimes hard to live in and even to find magic there. It's available in all good bookshops and please support your local indie if you can. For more information, you can go to katherine-may.com forward slash enchantment. Happy reading. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Catherine May. Welcome to the Wintering Sessions. As you can probably hear, I'm running a bath. I quite often, at the beginning of these podcasts, take you out for a walk. But today, I thought I would share my kind of rather secret afternoon ritual, which is that I quite often take a bath, like in the middle of the day. I find it really soothing. But also... Quite often my work extends into the evening. You know, I'm often doing interviews in America, uh, kind of, you know, late into the evening. And so it's really easy for me to just carry on working right through to then with like a little break to say hi to my son. And I quite often start at like half past four or five in the morning as well, because that's when I write the best. And so if I'm not careful, I can accidentally be working like 15 hour days without even meaning to. And so when I want to take a rest, I take a bath. I think it's probably eccentric to do that, but that's never bothered me before for sure. And I do really get reset by sitting in hot water. It really clears my head and untangles all those weird thoughts that just get stuck sometimes. I find it really useful for creative work. But most of all, I've been working really hard to divorce the idea in my mind that my worth is linked to the amount of time I sit at my desk. 
I mean, honestly, it's just obviously not true for me and for what I do. The way I earn my living is in these weird fits and starts. It definitely isn't per hour. But of course, I grew up with the idea that, you know, you get paid by the hour. That is your value. And it's quite toxic, really, for me to believe that because the longer I sit in front of my desk, quite often the less I end up doing. But I turn up anyway because I feel guilty. I feel like my job isn't real. I feel like I'm not real half the time. I spend a lot of time alone. Anyway, so I'm running a bath. I thought I'd share that with you today. And I'm so excited for you to listen to this interview with Gemma Kearney. I, uh, I just, you can probably tell, but I loved talking to her. She's just like a little light bulb, I think. <laughs> I love people like that. But I also think she had a really brilliant story to tell. And it wasn't the story I was expecting her to tell me. I was expecting her to tell me about the time after that, actually, when she moved up to Edinburgh. But we didn't get there. We didn't get time because she hijacked me with this really wonderful story of how it felt to be so alone in lockdown and living embedded in a cliff and swimming in the sea and dealing with all the terrible doubts that, and, you know, kind of sense of what next that loads of people in the arts and media felt at the beginning of lockdown, like not knowing if they'd have any work again and everything getting cancelled. And I'm sure that's relatable for lots of people who work outside of that field as well. I hope it is. But anyway, it was a brilliant conversation. I absolutely loved it and I didn't want it to stop. She's been such a kind of guiding voice really in culture for maybe people younger than me hand on heart like I'm not that down with the kids I will own that but she does way more than that if you haven't come across her before you're gonna love her if you have you'll know what I mean anyway enjoy hearing from Gemma and me and I'll be back a bit later Gemma, welcome to the Wintering Sessions. I'm so thrilled you agreed to talk to me today. It's really wonderful. I'm, you know, I'm feeling a little bit intimidated by uh, someone as competent as you are in recording things. And I, you know, just hope I can get away with being charmingly incompetent. Would that be all right? (laughs) (laughs) I think that people seem to believe the smoke and mirrors that I put up, that I need (laughs) everything to be super slick, supremely professional, um, mm. whereas really I am at heart quite a DIY punk and I'm absolutely fine with charming and, and <laughs> incompetent. It's good. It's a wonderful thing to have a reputation for like hard work and professionalism. And that's exactly what you have. Like that's such a great thing to project out into the world, I think. Ah, oh, thanks. That means that it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> All that fronting is it's paying off. <laughs> Um, I think I am a grafter. Yeah. And I think there are many reasons for it. Would you like to shed light on those reasons? I think that if you are a woman, I think if you are a woman that looks like me, I mean that in terms of my cultural identity, as well as like the way I choose to express myself 
mm-hmm. what I wear, how my body constantly changes and reacts to how I'm feeling or the world around me, where I'm at in terms of my endless curious discoveries of what it means to be alive and how I want to mm-hmm. document that and frame it. I think that to be a grafter has been a true gift and kind of yeah. wrenched me through my growing up period, which I think has only just kind of <laughs> slided a little bit. Surely it carries on forever. <laughs> I think it definitely does. But the the real painful bit, like the growing pains, mm. um, I hope have calmed. But yeah. I always want to grow. And I think being a grafter is super interweaved into who who I am and it's been grafting my way out of adversity or making decisions which might not be good for me but not really knowing why and just like keeping on going and working and working and I and I think that if if I put out into the world hard work and professionalism then that's a really really good good thing that's a great part of that like (laughs) complicated obsession with work (laughs) well but also like I whenever I come across a grafter like I'm a grafter too and Mm. I just always see a person who's taking it seriously and who isn't complacent about what they've achieved and where they are in the world and that's the way I always want to be I respect that yeah mutual respect Um, (laughs) come on I'm fist bumping I first of all had my eyes closed so I thought it'd be a nice serene way to do this interview but (laughs) You've opened your eyes accidentally. Here I go. I love it. That's not very wintering of me. That's so good. (laughs) Well, now you're all charged up. Um, But you, like, you started in this world really young as well, didn't you? I mean, like, you had your first success at like what twenty three or something like that. Yeah. So young. I got my first job at the BBC when I was a child. (laughs) Wow. What was that like? It is everything that you would imagine it to be. It's a roller coaster mm. with so much beautiful high times and excitement and thrill and exhilaration for having yeah. the dream job when you still got that incredible resilience and robust energy and mm. love for life and living and meeting new people. And there I was in the centre, in the core of fun, youth culture, music, gigs, parties, fashion. It was incredible. Yeah. Was it hard as well or was it just incredible? Definitely it was hard. Yeah. I think if you'd asked me then, I felt so thankful because it was so unexpected that I might not have said it was hard because I wouldn't have wanted to admit that it was. For me, I was made to feel by myself and from the world that I was in, the industry side of it, to feel super grateful. Mm. And I was. I rode out on that that gratefulness for years. I was just so, so excited, like an excitable puppy. So (laughs) it, it 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 does a lot, though. It, like, keeps you moving in Mm. momentum. So that even some of the harder stuff, like you say, was it hard? Yes, like crazy hours. I was doing breakfast radio for years. Mm. Different time slots. I'd be given a call by a boss and told, 
we're going to move your show to this and you don't really get that much choice and your lifestyle is changing all of the time and it's not necessarily in your hands but you are really thankful I guess it's kind of gratitude personified yeah, and it, yeah. It, it, it does actually help the hardness of it all or an injustice or something super unfair or cruel even you know like yeah. there are all those bits attached to being suddenly in the public eye to like serving something that is systemically very patriarchal mm. there are issues with racism and sexism daily you know there's so many hard things that were experienced yeah and it's always in your face yeah but you the momentum and the thrill and the joy and I feel like that's very youthful as well. Like my, yeah. youth, like being 23 and having a great gaggle of friends and just having this optimism about life, it actually helps some of those harder bits like mm. roll off in the rain. Like it goes, it, like it's, it, it doesn't mean it doesn't affect you. And sometimes it comes and creeps up on you a bit later, which I think it did for me, but it was hard. But did mm. I feel like it was hard? Not necessarily because I was so into the moment. I was so momentously excited. And most of the moments that I was experiencing were, were joyful and a privilege. Yeah. And, I, and I knew that. I don't think everyone would have that perspective, though, you know, like I think... I, I mean, you're like a, you're you're clearly an optimist, and you're clearly someone that finds the positive in the whole world. Like wh whatever comes at you, you're going to find the good stuff from it. And I like I what I hear from a lot of people is you know a fixation on the bad side of experience, and without that counterbalancing happy side, and and that that is definitely a mindset. I think yes, and on analysation, which I have given myself time to do uh. it is a very it's a weighty investigation because I'm only like that essentially I'm only super optimistic or know how to spring myself into the light yeah because I've had to do that to survive Mm. And that goes back to like, the day I was born. I, I honestly, sometimes I have to like move on with the subject because I think that I've been doing that my whole life. Like from the day I was born, I was born into, into bereavement. Like my mum had lost her mum while she was pregnant. Oh, wow. We had to essentially, and I don't want to make it sound like overly dramatic or sensationalised or overshare, but we had to get out of an unsafe situation in the house that I was in when I was a baby. There's like, there's so many right, things yeah. that could so easily crumple my, my sort of spirit, which is a really like rebounding one mm. that, that I think I've honestly been an eternal optimist since the day since I was birth. born. <laughs> yeah, that I, I, I've had to be like that to survive, which yeah when you break down is potentially a bit sad. And then I've had to learn to genuinely grieve or go through the process of accepting a responsibility, all of that kind of quite hard to define sometimes. Yeah. Stuff, I was, let's say, I work. know exactly what you mean, because I was, I was talking to a friend yesterday about like, 
I'm having to learn not to scramble, you know, like scrambling is what I've always done mm. and, and hustling, you know, like that's, that yeah. is my default mo- mode. And there comes a point when you have to deliberately not do that in order to make enough space to think and reflect and to, to actually do what you're doing properly and to develop as a, like for me as a writer, you know, but it, it really is a hard skill to unlearn sometimes, even though that scrambling is one of my key skills, you know, and I I can get my way out of anything. (laughs) I also know that it's not always the right thing to do, that sometimes you have to do stuff a bit slower and you have to take the hard way around and you have to make room for the learning that you need to do, I think. Mm. And I think to learn the virtues of time can only be learned over yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you didn't tell me that age 23. No. I had way too many fun things to distract myself with. And good for <laughs> me, good for little me. I was up for it. I was loving going for meetings, coming up with ideas, thinking about what shoes I was going to wear to an award ceremony, preparing for an interview with Whoopi Goldberg the next morning, co-presenting with an idol of mine, Trevor Nelson. It was it was an amazing yeah. playground. It was an, an assault course in a way, you know, like an adventure, like physically, mentally, etc. It was wild and it was hard. And, <laughs> and yeah, I, I would love to go back to myself and tell myself to learn how to eat properly and that right. yoga will become my best friend rather than dabbling with it because uh, I had a hangover sometimes, you know, there's all these things. But at the yeah. same time, only time can teach you what you just said, you know, it can teach mm. you to unlatch. And also what wonderful, brilliant things to have learned and to have learned them early and to have within you. To yeah. be a hustler, yeah, yeah, to yeah. beautifully scramble. It's not like you're scrambling in utter, awful, affecting chaos. Like you're scrambling, yeah, is, yeah, is brilliant for the rest of us. Like we're enjoying the ride. <laughs> I love scrambling. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm happiest when I'm improvising, and yeah, I, I find life very hard when I know exactly what I've got to do, and it's all mapped out in front of me. And it's all achievable. And that's the point when I lose interest. I, I will then make myself a scrambling kind of a situation, I think, in order to get that high. <laughs> yeah, I try to sometimes see life visually and it does always come back down to balance. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm overthinking one thing or the other, like I really need to learn calm and patience and all of that lovely kind of meditative brilliant buddhist stuff and then there's Mm. another part of me that's wanting to uh, escape and disco (laughs) dance and cover myself in glitter and scream (laughs) and and come up with something completely different to what i thought the day before through conversation and art and rambunctiousness and and rebellion you know so (laughs) this beautiful discovery for me, I think essentially is being able to healthfully, safely, mm. joyfully, or even contemplatively pendulum swing between mm. the different extremes of ourselves. Yeah. And it just comes back to balance. Like how wonderful to be able to learn the art of scrambling and yeah. the art of patience and time and solitude. Like that's a pretty good course 
for a life, I think. Definitely. And there's like time for both. Well, I want to I wanna talk because actually like you're clearly like a really sociable person that is excited by working with other people and, and by the kind of ideas that bounce around when you're in company. And I, so I wanted to talk to you about your lockdown experience because I gather you were like quite alone at the beginning of that. Yes. So lockdown one, the big <laughs> lockdown. What number are we on now? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what anything is anymore. <laughs> I've just been in isolation because I had, you know what, I don't want to say oh, the word. Man, yeah. I'm fine. I'm very grateful that I'm fine. And um, yeah, I was writing about it last night and I was calling it the new year ground down. So I felt like mm. I had to just like do some grounding, <laughs> but I refused <laughs> to call it a lockdown or isolation or just all of these really authoritative words that just make my toes go. <laughs> but when we were first getting our mouth around the words and the notion of lockdown. So that must have been from mid-March 2020. And I had just had my birthday because my birthday's on the 19th of March. And it was one of the most profound times of my life. I've had really profound moments in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This one was not so shiny. It was actually kind of a bit scary and moody and a it wasn't so dazzling in terms of the profound. Yeah. It was, it was um, a moment to dig into myself and work out what would be right for me to do. So were you still in Margate at this point? or? So it's all very complicated. Thanks for letting me bore you on this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was mostly living in a rented room at, two of my lovely friends' house in East London, just off Broadway Market. And uh, it was a great pad. It was the bachelorette dream. It was near (laughs) everything fun and cool. And it was reminding me of my old stomping grounds, which was East London, having moved to the seaside as part of a kind of exodus, which I think happened six years previously. And I had been living in Margate, but I'd always been nomadic in my approach. So I was doing loads of traveling up until that moment, making a Radio 4 program called The Sound Odyssey, which was all over the world, recorded everywhere from Colombia to Ethiopia. Wow. And I was very much in a flow, but very, like, like you say, like a hustling one. Like I was taking myself everywhere. I'd have to go and do an event in London. And then I would try and section off periods of time at my place in Margate. So I still had a base in Margate, but I had this room in London and I was actually spending more time in London because I was in the middle of, which I can't be bothered to go into, even though it's sad. And I I appreciate like sympathy, but I had a neighbour dispute happening oh, at my boy. place in Margate as well, just to add to this very frenetic yeah. lifestyle anyway. And that was taking up the amount of time that a full-time job would. There were solicitors involved and I was getting emails multiple times a day, if not phone calls from somebody who moved into the flat below me and really took a real disliking to me personally and Mm. started accusing me of all, like it got madder and madder and madder over the course of actually nearly two years. I couldn't believe when I got out of it all because I, I had sort of just, 
batted it off because I was so busy. I was just like, I'll sort this out. Anyway, it was really, 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 really weird. And I felt safer in London at this particular point, despite having a place in Margate. Financially, everything was a clusterfuck, pardon my friend. (laughs) I was trying to get out of this situation of my Margate base. I was paying for a really expensive London rented room. It was really hardcore. And an apologies, like this is a, a warning for some because it is particularly hard to hear. Mm. I had lost a friend of mine unexpectedly who had decided to end their own life. And oh, she yeah. was a hugely public figure. So I was in a public mourning for Caroline Flack, who had been a personal friend of mine, mm. too. So everything was at once was a tangle of the hardest things that you might have to deal with yeah and I was a single woman in my 30s really trying to pride myself on being robust optimistic secure etc safe happy and I I was imploding like it was really really difficult and then suddenly a global pandemic was looming. <laughs> Which was exactly what you needed at that moment, presumably, yeah. It was just surreal. Mm. I, I was wondering whether I was in the dream. You know, when you get really sad yeah. and you don't really feel like you're on the planet anyway. Yeah, and yeah. you just sort of manoeuvre from room to room or talk to people, but you don't really feel connected. Mm. That had been going on for quite a while. And then... I was I was also scrambling, let's say, to try and claw back like good stuff. Like I was going yeah. to quite some quite hardcore therapy for the first time. I promised my friends that I would consider taking medication. Right. Like to, yeah. to I was really trying, I was really thinking, okay, this is something that's gonna have to be addressed. Like mm. I have to create a framework because I'm in trouble. Like this is hard. And yeah. um yeah, then this this thing started to be talked about all the time. And it's just really surreal, if I'm honest. It was so surreal. I was just like, <laughs> okay, right. So I've got all this shit going on with myself. But this is now this thing that's about to affect the whole world. And mm. I'm really sensitive as well. I could feel that it was going to be huge. Yeah. Which is another reason I think that I was feeling so disorientated anyway impending doom thing isn't it there I remember that time coming as a human species I think things were getting too full and fast and Mm. you know the all these kind of odd or negative or or harsh behaviors that were happening like around me sometimes involving me and sometimes not but like my neighbor being so mean and horrible and all of these things that were happening, I do sort of see somehow we may be connected to this kind of impending doom kind of core, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, I yeah. mean, it's, it's that time when you, it's those moments when you feel like everything, you're at the centre of this, I don't know, like eye of the storm and everything's happening yes. to you. And it feels, yeah, it's a very, it's a very particular feeling. Weather is a really good way of of making it into the metaphor that I need, I think. But being in <laughs> an eye of an of a storm, but feeling like I 
like like humankind was in the storm. It wasn't just me, you know. Yeah, it was a really weird time. I'm not going to lie, and I don't want to be overindulgent either. So I, I I don't or like overdo it in terms of um it all being about me because I think that there was a feeling in the air. I just do like yeah. it's just like a theory that I have, and and I also don't want to be like too to do me like I don't want to be like <laughs> low like there was so many hard things happening but all mm. I wanted in the way that I am you know like always trying to jump for the sunshine like searching for it, was to find the ropes and the vines I needed to grab on to like see me through mm. and then the universe kind of asked everybody to do that yes <laughs> yeah. But in their own way, like yeah. every, everyone was suddenly presented with the this time to reflect and to grapple with our own morals as to what was right or wrong, mm. to search for genuine beauty in confinement, <laughs> like, yeah. to yeah. like get in touch with our bodies as to how we prepared to eat our way through a lockdown or how we were going to express empathy for Mm. the truly vulnerable people in the world and in our society and it was was just an absolute you couldn't no word for it (laughs) whoa yeah and um yeah and personally it presented an an opening of looking after myself Mm. Truly, like utterly, properly looking after myself because I was so low anyway. Yeah. And it was it was literally in my dreams. My dreams said to me, like, get to the sea. You can't. Oh, my dreams always say that to me. <laughs> yeah. Like the night after my birthday, I pretty much cried my way through my birthday in a kind of like trying to watch a wistful film crying. Like I had also created yeah. a crown from eucalyptus from a beautiful bunch of flowers that someone had sent me and wore my favorite designer Mary Benson in a velvet dress and so it was I tried to make it an event it wasn't like wrapped up in bed crying but that was on the 19th of March 2020 I was so grief stricken for Mm. everything that had happened with Caroline and I was just so kind of sad and upset but I also tried to sort of like make that moment poetic or something I don't know (laughs) like and I and I kept dreaming about the sea and then I thought okay I have to go so Mm. I searched online for Airbnbs (laughs) I don't know if I should be saying all of this but I was (laughs) I was looking for a place that would be by the sea that wasn't the the place that I owned because I didn't feel safe there because of the neighbor dispute and I hardly had any money I had like just a bit of money from a job that was not supposed to be used on staying by the sea during a lockdown (laughs) during a (laughs) pandemic but you had to live somewhere yeah but I was I it's really weird because I had 
a base in Margate. But honestly, I was I wasn't safe well, with that person. I was going to say yeah. it doesn't sound like that was safe. I mean, that's you know that's not a choice, is it? You can't lock yourself down in a building where somebody is being like actively menacing. Actually making jokes about you putting your head in the oven. It's just not right. It's not okay. So no. I couldn't go there, and then I had this beautiful pad in London, but it was too small and it wasn't right. I couldn't see see my grief dissipating or my lowness or the things that, like a lot of past traumas were coming up. And I just thought I can't do that in this small place, like in the city. So gosh, I'm lucky to be in this position, but it also feels very mad and dramatic, but I'm going to go somewhere else. So I found this place that was really unique and it was an old shop built into a cliff in Ramsgate so it was only down the road to my Margate place (laughs) which felt good actually and I thought I will sort that situation out when I have some time and I I tried to sell it three times and each time the the sale had been sabotaged because of this person and uh I just I emailed I was writing my book which I'm still writing and I emailed the owner and I said I've only got this amount of money, not the usual amount of money that it would be to book this place for a month. But would you accept it? Because it's seeming that there's not going to be much tourism in, over the, you know, in the, in yeah, the, in the coming yeah, weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and can I come and can I write my book? And then I got a cap masked up just before lockdown <laughs> because I wanted to be in like within, uh, have a screen between myself and the driver packed my stuff for three hours and went and just went to live in a cliff (laughs) in in like a sort of it's this sort of really unique property that's been built in a cliff so so presumably you had like you know that that can be quite bleak I mean it can be very beautiful but when the when the sea is raging yeah how what was it like being in solitude in a place like that it was absolutely astonishingly beautiful Mm. it was amazing and it's exactly what I needed. I'm actually feeling emotional talking about it because I haven't mm. really talked about it for ages because so many other big things have happened that have yeah. been beautiful and lovely. And my luck kind of did come after praying for it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, ama- it was amazing. I turned up, I was on a coastline that I'm familiar with. Yeah, I knew that there were people close that were my people, my tribe. So I didn't feel completely alone. I thought it was important to put myself out there in terms of introducing myself to neighbours that seemed open and friendly and said that, you know, I'm here on my own. I'm writing my book. I know there's some a lockdown about to happen, so I'm not expecting for us to be having parties, but just so that you know that I'm next door. And they were really receptive and beautiful and kind. And then the journey just started, this, this kind of twisted adventure of learning to grieve and keying into myself. Is that right? I don't know what the right way to describe it is, but like... Sinking down, I guess. Yeah. And like just becoming so kind of inwards because... It's almost monastic, isn't it? I think it's like Mm -hmm. a kind of living in a cell in an abbey somewhere in the 14th century or something. I mean, I was lucky because it was so beautiful so I loved mm. the raging sea at night the first few nights I couldn't really sleep I just thought oh well I've got loads of nights to sleep I've got days to sleep I, I, I've got loads of time to sleep like we're gonna be locked down for a while 
So if yeah. I can't sleep now, don't panic. And I was just remember saying to myself, I was like, just listen to the sea. Like, you know that the sea is your friend or mm. it speaks to you at least, or it, it kind of, it's so brilliantly changeable and ferocious and big that it puts things into perspective. And this isn't just about me. And then my imagination got me through, which it does often anyway, but my imagination is so ridiculous and epic and <laughs> where I was geographically and how the, this house had been built overlooking the sea I could open out doors from my bedroom there was a freestanding bath it's a really nice special place to be it wasn't particularly like bougie but it was really unique <laughs> it's kind of, it sounds wild it sounds it like was a... quite wild yeah. it's really hard to explain but it's very unique and I opened up the doors so I could hear the sea and mm. I started swimming which I do anyway but I was going in 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 the cold and doing the hacker or something like (laughs) pretty much to myself in fact the amazing neighbors who lived a few doors down who I reached out to and said just so you know I'm here on my own will I be okay do you think is this a safe place and whatever and they'd seen me like running across the beach like literally sort of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> punching the air and screaming and preparing to get into the <laughs> of water. And I got a text saying, we saw you. <laughs> Not only did you swim, but you were doing some ritualistic dancing before you got in. And uh, I, love I loved it. The, the message just said, it was a, a, a beautiful friend called Wendy. They've become friends, but she said, we think you're really rock and roll. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And that was helping acclimatise to cold water and having that freedom of beach every day. I also thought about the art of reaching out being really important. I sort of became a bit obsessed with it. I wanted to connect. I I knew I was on my own, but I knew that it was so important to always stay connected even though I was very emotionally vulnerable. I I needed love and people. So I tried to show love and I tried to inhabit love. I'm just taking a pause to let you know about my very exciting new Patreon feed, If you love the wintering sessions and would like to help it grow, you can now become a patron. Subscribers will get an exclusive monthly podcast in which I talk about the books, culture and the news that are currently inspiring me. You'll also get the chance to submit questions to my guests in advance of recordings and the answers will go into a special extended edition of the podcast that only patrons receive and a day early too. Plus, you'll get discounts and early booking links to my courses and events, and your podcast will always be ad-free. If this sounds like your kind of thing, I have a special offer. The first 30 patrons will be able to join at a discounted rate of $3 a month for life. So do get in early and help to build the community from the foundations. Go to patreon.com forward slash Catherine May or follow the link in my bio to subscribe. And please don't worry if this isn't for you. The regular version of the wintering sessions will still be free and I really appreciate your listens. Now, back to the show. 
up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. What did that do for you that time? I mean, did you. Oh, I don't know what I'm asking in lots of ways. I mean, I did it make, I, I was about to say, did it make you more productive? But I don't really, I don't mean productive as in like, you know, were you a good little agent of capitalism turning out, you know, lots of work in a book. But what I mean is like, what did it do to your creative self? What did it do to your, to your pattern of living? It was really unexpectedly pleasant because once you move through I don't think it's rage, but almost outrage mm. of the situation. And things that just aren't fair. Like, I got loads of work withdrawn. So yeah. I lost out on loads of planned money. And some of it felt really distasteful, let's say, in terms of the decisions that big organisations were making, where right. it clearly wasn't a priority Firstly, I can't like sit in that outrage for too long because it's not like I don't expect yeah. certain spaces to let me down and not prioritise me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, again, you just have to like, I don't know why I was talking about like this is a sort of le- life lesson for us all, but I had to. <laughs> I had to um, choose where to put my energy and yeah. I could have just been stuck in in a real negative space, but I, I, I chose, I, I chose mm. the opposite. I, I chose to learn, I, I see it as a learning. Like I chose to learn to move through grief. Yeah. And so many different griefs at once, you know, not just one grief, but mm-hmm. the loss of a friend, the loss of like a home and a, you know, the whole vision that comes with a, with losing a home, you know, you lose that too. The loss of work, the loss of like the, well, we all went through that loss of independence yes. in a lockdown that felt so like violent, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Even but, though we were submitting to it willingly. Yeah. It's a lot of loss in one go. But I learned the motions of it mm. in order to stay afloat. Yeah. We all, like you say, have had to deal with something. I think violent is a good word. Mm. But what certain elements of my career or my life have been through or represent up until now was very much being controlled by like the the puppets of this kind of quite toxic capitalism, patriarchal thinking um the normalization of perfectionism etc etc all of the stuff that we're working through now I think quite openly yeah well and it began during that time didn't it I mean it yeah it began during that time in terms of unpicking it Mm. 
But in terms of the effects of all of those things, being a woman, being black, growing up in the UK, having dealt with all the things I have anyway, I've had to deal with that violence, like always. Mm. So it actually provided space and time Mm. to learn how to protect myself from that because actually I'm in an industry that never gives you that. doesn't give you time to think about whether uh, saying yes to that particular campaign is going to make your backache because it feels (laughs) really uncomfortable, you know? It doesn't give you the opportunity to turn everything off and say, I choose to partake in an alternative practice for five days straight or whatever. Like it, that's such a, so broad, but you know, like doing yeah, stuff, sure. it doesn't let you, like, I don't work in a role where you're allowed to turn off. And societally, mm-hmm. we can understand that more, all of us. It's much more resonant because we are always switched on to so many different things. But that I, I was before everybody else was too, because I chose to do a job that is associated with kind of like um, a sense of kind of public mm. ownership or, mm. or discussion or. Well, and, and massive uncertainty as well. You know, like those careers can just disappear in an instant if you fall out of favour. And it, it's, it's kind of quite a terrifying world to work in, I think, in it's some ways. Really, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really, really weird world. But it's very alluring, particularly when you're young and it can take you in amazing places and connect you to, you know, some of the greatest thinkers on the planet. Yeah, yeah. um, Or you can earn enough money to travel and to fill your house with things that make your heart sing. You know, there's there's all these (laughs) opportunities. Opportunity is important to focus on. And there are so many opportunities within the industry side of my world, as well as the kind of artistic expression side. And it's very dazzling, but it's very full on. Mm. And it will not nurture or protect me or anything that I've dealt with as a human being. So I had Mm. to learn how to do that myself. Because otherwise there's many, 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 many different, also rigorously active grafting souls that yeah. will lead you in all yeah. sorts of different directions. And everyone's got their own prerogative, but you have to learn your your path, like how to lay your path. Only you can really do that. Yeah, yeah. So like in the aftermath, when everything opened up again and life went kind of a bit back to normal, although it still isn't, but yeah. What did you, yeah, sorry. I mean, I like it, it feels normal now, but as soon as I said that, I was like, this isn't normal. What am I talking about? Yeah. I'm still sticking a cotton wool stick, like, you know, five inches up my nose every two days. Like, that's not normal. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I can do it without blinking now, which I think is quite impressive. But uh, yeah. But, we're really, we're really tough. Yeah. You yeah. know, we can absolutely do this. We can yeah. get through stuff. We really can. It's just about being sort of gentle at the right times and then tough at the other. It's really weird. (laughs) It's knowing when to soften. But like, 
what have you brought from that time into your life now? What's the, what, how have you been permanently changed by it? And what bits did you leave behind in that little house in the cliff? In oh, landscape? what a time, what a time. Um, <laughs> oh, and I started to have fun. I started to, you, you mentioned creatively what it did for me. And actually what it did for me was to move on from despair, let's say, or mm. all that kind of stuff outrage to playtime and not only was I doing my dancing on the beach and then swimming I was activated in a really special way like politically the tides were changing like the Mm. resurgence of Black Lives Matter was so visceral it opened up a space to talk and to find language about things that essentially have been oppressive for so Mm. long Mm. and um I I was like going with that and it allowed me to believe in myself as a creative I was I really do believe in myself as somebody that's like meant to talk I meant I want to talk I want to I want to be part of movement so I Every Tuesday was chatting to a friend of mine, Lola, on Instagram live. That became really weird. It became like a talk show that we did. It was just a way of connecting at first. She asked me if I wanted to do it. She's a journalist and a writer and she's British and is based in New York and has been for many years. So we would just talk every Tuesday lunch. (laughs) Just have a chat. And compare notes from being solo lockdown, single women, but with the Atlantic (laughs) in between us, which was really fun. And then became a bit more serious at points because of the world around us. But yeah, there was such a lot to take seriously at that point, wasn't it? Yeah, but but it was it was it was an experimentation in connection that particular chat. And we'd get quite a few people watching every week. Like, this is kind of cool. Um, <laughs> and I really felt activated in the moment. I didn't write loads of my book. Because that felt very like nobody wrote loads of their book during lockdown. Well, Don't worry about did. it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> some people did, um, but I did write, and I was active on Patreon, and I've been growing my page, and felt really responsive mm. to day-to-day feelings and wanting to write them down and and create from it. And uh, I also started my own radio show, which I'm really proud of. And that was one of those things, you know, when like proper artists talk about how things come through them or Mm. I've heard writers talk about it as well, where they just feel like they are doing something, but they don't even have to think about it too much. You just channel stuff. Yeah. I I knew that I needed to broadcast. I I was gutted that I couldn't do the live radio that I'm used to. So I just created my own and I brought together people that I thought might helped me and I self-funded it did a completely independent amazing. Uh, show every Wednesday night between 9 and 11 and put together the playlist gleefully spoke to writers all around the world and got them to read live on air had conversations with people from motivational speakers in Washington to a <laughs> psychotherapist who's like at, like on the front line in Amsterdam to a Scottish yeah. poet called Billy Letford who was on lockdown and stuck in Thailand. Like, it was amazing. And that was just down in a bunker where I was socially distanced from two tech people. <laughs> and in a nightclub in Margate that used to host... 
<laughs> it used to host my club night when I was oh. living there called Gems Jams. Um, and suddenly we turned it into a radio station and it, and it, it was, <laughs> it was so, again, an experiment in connection and one that was so fulfilling. I just love that. I, I mean, I just, you know, like, of, like, obviously we can't talk about the pandemic without talking about how hard it was and how awful it was for loads of people. But at the same time, what I'm hearing over and over again is, like people doing stuff from the gut, you know, like I have to do this. I have to communicate this. I have to make this, but also finding new ways to do it because I bet you wouldn't have considered like launching your own completely independent radio show before then. It just, I love I the have a very leaks. overactive mind. I would think about it, but, but the different, the big difference for me is I absolutely wouldn't have the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wouldn't because I'll be pulled in different directions for things that are deemed more important, more yeah. financially feasible, have so many, you know, companies or bosses attached that mean that I don't, that don't have the time for that freedom, that play, mm-hmm. that DIY, like momentum and that gut thing that you described. I live by mine. I've had mm-hmm. it always, but it's definitely been been really resonant over the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've, we've needed it because there's no roadmap and you have to, you've got to follow something. And actually, I think a lot of people have tuned back into those gut instincts that they've been suppressing for a very long time. And I, that's good, right? That's oh, it's so thing. nice. I'm really relieved for that. There's so many things yeah. that have broken my heart, but then there's also been so many ingredients to like mend bits of it as well. And that's one of them. Mm. People being softer, people falling in love with nature, yeah. people understanding my tribal dance before I get in the sea. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish you had a video of that. <laughs> it can be recreated anytime. I, I think you should start like a club and we'll all get together and do a tribal dance before yes, a swim. Like, I mean, I just need you to teach me this skill. I swim, but I don't dance first. <laughs> Honestly, it's quite weird. It's just like punching the air and like moving <laughs> Sounds beautiful. It sounds like My a beautiful thing. My boyfriend to it on a regular basis. But... Um, uh, but yeah, Night Waves is the name of the radio show and it's on Mixcloud and there are 20 shows there that I just think are so, oh, so just... special. So if anybody listening wants to delve into what that feeling of solitude and grief and sea and journey was mm. like, then you can actually, there was a documentation of it. It's just lovely. And that's how this podcast started as well. Like, you know, similar instinct. Like I wanted to talk to people. I wanted to make contact with other writers and talk about this moment and other moments that were like it and just to produce something in this in that kind of free floating time when you just weren't sure what was going to happen next and and couldn't plan and I you know I still feel like we can't plan and I think that might be quite good for us in lots of ways actually yes societally we've become so entrenched in planning and being mm. sensible and yeah but nobody is doing the right thing like the right thing you know like no. capital C. like it's really hard to know what it is especially when even our actual government <laughs> I mean <laughs> I don't even, again words that I don't really like to say yeah. um 
are are not posing as authoritative, solid. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I know they're not being the grown ups. Community care, like thinking in any any particular way, like in terms mm. of doing the right thing or setting the right rules and boundaries. Like, so therefore, I mean this metaphorically rather than literally like running into the streets naked if you're on isolation <laughs> or something. Like, don't be ridiculous. But like, <laughs> <laughs> it's worth pointing out. I mean, laugh about that as an idea, but like. <laughs> It's this much, but as a sort of broader, as a bigger picture, like flowing with the moment and being in the moment and being present is um, is a gift. I think that Mm. this pandemic has given us, and uh, yeah, and like and creatively, that's so nice. I'm I'm glad that you felt moved to talk to people and that people are getting something from that because connection is. I think I found one of the most important things. In fact. There's a brilliant essay on connection called that, called On Connection, um, written by Kay Tempest. I don't know if you've come across oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. And I, it's extraordinary. And I read it during lockdown, actually. Yeah, me too. And I interviewed Kay for Nightwaves. I had a feature mm. where I would ask artists to take me on a trip and to delve into a kind of transcendental journey. And if they could take me anywhere in the world, whilst we all yearned for travel, where would they take me? And Kay took me to um, Brazil on a boat. Oh, wow. (laughs) And we had the most biblical almost conversation that can be listened as a standalone on my Mixcloud channel or part of the show, which we edited it to be part of too. And I just felt like as though Kay is a prophet of our modern times and is such an important voice. Um, oh, and yeah, I do miss the thing. And, and on Connection actually came out after our conversation. And I've been a fan of Kay's for a long time. But the summing up of it and the, the published essay on how important connection and writing and creativity actually is, I think is a, is a must read. It really is. I, I would recommend it to anyone. And actually, I must try and get Kay on the podcast. That would be like the biggest coup in the world, I think. Definitely. They're Love infinite to talk wisdom to them. and yeah. approach to language and expression mm. is a real, real, again, another gift for us all in these current unsteadying times. Oh, well, look, I, I there's so much more I'd like to ask you, but I am conscious of your time um, and also the listeners, because I think I think you and I could just talk on this in this vein for like five hours yeah. and we'd still be really happy. <laughs> well, the, the quick sum up, because there's loads of different like things that happen. I love that, that you sum up. This is great. This is, just, uh, yeah, this, this is so what the professionalism is. <laughs> like, I'm going to sum up now. <laughs> but just in terms of it's quite important <laughs> to say that though the doldrums were very real Times were really hard at the beginning of 2020 and the lockdown was not only like profoundly creative, etc., and fun to mm. dance on the beach. There were moments of serious sadness and yeah. thought. I was falling in love. I I fell in love as soon as... <gasps> this is an unexpected <laughs> twist at the end. What? <laughs> this is mad. As soon as we were allowed to actually see people again, somebody came back into my life that I hadn't seen since 2018 on a mountain in Malawi, in Africa. And at the time he owned an off-grid eco lodge and I thought he was absolutely gorgeous, but I did think to try and be sensible in the sense that he lived in Malawi. And in 2020, he found his way back to the UK 
And we have been inseparable ever since. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And so, wow, like unexpected outcomes. I Honestly, 2020 was a very, very strange and pivotal year, but it definitely changed my life like hugely in ways I think a lot of people know that 2020 changed their lives but a lot of it's quite esoteric and perhaps nuanced yeah, as to how yeah. you've got something really concrete haven't yeah you, like, it definitely, I, like I went on my own into a cliff and I came out <laughs> and I found the love of my life like it's just insane it's like a fairy <laughs> story <laughs> I did. I thought I would like emerge a, a bitter troll, and actually, <laughs> all the kimono wearing which I had done, which I did a lot of, by the way, as well. That was another very important part. <laughs> I wore this silk peach kimono nearly every nice. day. That's a, that's a um, great way to live your life. <laughs> somehow, <laughs> kind of moved me in the direction of really trying to cultivate like the epitome of fabulousness, and I keep trying to dance in that direction ever since that's just it's just so perfect and I'm so happy for you I'm so happy that that could emerge from this time of like retreat and and it's like you kind of kindle this fire that's going to take you into the next place in your life I think yeah it's it's absolutely bananas like it's bonkers and then since I've moved to Scotland yes. which where we both have heritage and it's all been very I mean, one day I'll write it all down. I don't know. I'm just living it at the moment. I'm still in it. It's just still it's still flabbergasting me. And I'm still gutted by the many losses and all the injustice in the world. And, I, and I'm activated and poised to talk about all of those things. And I'm, I'm also, mm. I also find it really important to um, try and live by example in terms of believing in healing and... Uh, believing in doing the inner work and um, yeah. and and just sort of really like cultivating like who you are and what makes you feel good and then good things come. Mm. Gemma, thank you so much. It's just been amazing to talk <laughs> and I, I just kind of want to book you in for next week and we'll carry the story on. <laughs> you, you just, just need to listen, honestly, listen to Nightwave. I, I am totally going to. It sounds You've incredible. got music as well to break up the big conversation. <laughs> I don't know if I'm emotionally ready, you know. <laughs> it's not all really deep. It's, I think, again, it's that balance. Uh, it's like the light and the shade constantly. That sounds amazing. Oh, well, I mean, I know that you've got like legions of devoted fans anyway, but I like I can, I, I think when you keep innovating like this, it's so exciting. Like you don't need to do this when you've got a profile like yours, but actually I just love that you you do because you you know you're interested in it and you want to explore stuff I do need to do it I am progress led always I absolutely yeah. do need to do it I think there's a lot of things in this world that need changing and um, yeah I absolutely need to constantly ask myself the questions as to mm. like whether my energy is in the right space and innovation is completely imperative to yeah. that yeah and also I would say like reflecting that out there to anybody listening you know people have most likely found this through patreon for example which i think is a really interesting independent platform and mm. and i really rate and respect like those who are seeking out content for themselves on it so yeah bravo you know high five big up and 
we all can continue to innovate in terms of what we consume, where we spend our money, how Mm. we make our money, who we spend our time with, how Mm. we get over like any of the past that doesn't feel right. All of these things, all of these innovations, like from personal to professional to Mm. public and environmental, all of these things, we all can do it. There are so many pioneers and avenues of like freedom, goodness, a better future for the next generation. So we all, we, we all, we're doing it by listening to this and going on Patreon and making and connecting, but it doesn't stop and it doesn't stop at people with big voices. It's all of us. But, you know, it's such an important point to live by, isn't it, that you get to choose where you put your time, money and attention that, you know, don't let other people choose those things for you. You make those those choices and you make them positive. If you can, you know, and it's also all right yeah. for it to feel really hard, but, that, but yeah. know that you're not on your own and that there's some really good stuff out there. <laughs> there's some really good stuff There's out some there. good stuff. Love is lovely. Sea <sighs> swimming is great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Moving house is stressful whilst it's stressful and then it can sometimes be wonderful. You know, yeah. cutting cords of toxic people is Always a little good. bit bad and then you feel great. Like all of these things, it's worth it. <laughs> Frosty mornings give me life. Yeah. Oh, I've been in isolation. It's my freedom day tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, happy freedom day for tomorrow. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Kathy. <laughs> You've been really, really, really open and, and really allowed me to have a big old meaty chat and I've talked oh. about things I haven't talked about in ages. I love chats like that. I don't see the point in any other kind of chat, you know? <laughs> oh, it's kind of crazy to reflect and emotional, but um, mm. yeah, it's, it's also, I'm, I'm quite proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you should be. Oh my God, you should be. <laughs> and I think we should all be proud we have all come through a lot this year (laughs) a lot a lot I'm back out of my bath now I'm as pink as a lobster I considered recording you a podcast segment in which I was in the bath but I felt like naked podcasting was a bit too weird And also I was worried about my phone, very sensibly, given how clumsy I am. I'd have drowned my phone in moments. I think they're waterproof now, thank goodness, but even so. It's funny how we have to talk about (laughs) this stuff, isn't it? Like, how we take care of ourselves. It's part of my resistance that I talk about quite a lot to looking busy for the sake of it, I think. I do everything I can, and I don't always succeed, not to be busy unnecessarily and not to say I'm busy when I'm asked. That's like my reflex for the whole of my life, to reply to the question, how are you? Oh, busy. Busy is not the answer to how are you. (laughs) You can be good busy, you can be terrible busy, but you can also be not busy. I've had some really grimly busy times in my life over the last few years. Some impossibly busy times. 
where I'm busy because there are too many pressures crushing me from every direction. And I'm trying really hard to learn not to be busy and to say, I have enough. I have enough to live on at the moment. Haven't always, you know. I have enough work. I don't need to fill my days unnecessarily. Anyway, that's a long way round of saying that I just loved what Gemma told us about how she took care of herself when everything felt like it was getting lost. That fear of being nothing, that fear of not having a home, of not having anywhere to settle or belong, and the things you might do in the face of that. I just thought it was such a beautiful story. I hope you enjoyed it too. And I wish you many hot baths or whatever the thing is that soothes you. Not everyone likes hot baths. Not everyone can have hot baths. But they're my thing for now. Until the day that they can't prize me into them anymore and then I'll have to find another thing, damn it. Anyway, thank you for listening. I wanted to say a huge thank you to my Patreons, or my patrons, I still don't know what to call them. They're really lovely though, for like jumping in and supporting this podcast. What that means is that I don't have to stop this season in a couple of episodes as I would have done without my Patreons. I still don't cover all the podcast expenses from what they bring but it really helps. It means that I can do more and I can do it in a kind of relaxed way. It's making a lot possible and I'm so grateful for it. It's just so wonderful to have partners in crime. I'm about to record a bonus episode where I answer loads of their questions and I just can't imagine anything much more fun, to be honest. (laughs) I hope they find it fun in return. (laughs) But yeah, it's a joy. So thank you. And if you'd like to support the podcast, please consider it. At least take a look around. It's at patreon.com forward slash Catherine May. But if you can't do that, that's fine. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I always used to worry such a lot when I heard this stuff when I didn't have any money in my pocket and think, oh, I can't help. I'm not valued. You are. You really are. I love it that you all listen, so thank you. And thank you to Gemma, to my producer buddy, who untangles all these crazy ramblings about being in the bath. (laughs) I don't know what he thinks of it. (laughs) It's probably best I don't. And thanks to Megan, who looks after the patrons so beautifully and me it's another little artifact of my self-care that I never thought I deserved and now I realise I needed to cope without burning myself out (sighs) anyway 
I'll see you all next time with more brilliant guests. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Thank you.